0: Welcome back to Younger and Older. I'm Dave Wager, and I'm with Todd McElhaney. I'm the older guy, the Boomer, and Todd. What in the world are you even? Are you I'm a, a millennial? millennial yeah. All right, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't even know what the one younger than you is called. But is that That's the Gen, X Gen Z? Gen Z. Who's the Xers?
1: Mm. I don't even know.
0: All right, <laughs> you know that. I think though, I don't care what generation you're from. I know people are saying yes, Boomer, but huh? the the truth is you got the same needs as everybody else. You know, there's a God. He loves you. You need to respond to him. And if I come to you with a simple solution like that, does it make sense or do you think I'm just an old boomer?
2: Um, For what now?
0: If I come to you and just say, you know, life is a lot simpler than you're making it. You Mm. you don't need to even know what generation people are from. Mm. What you need to do is know there's a God. You're not him. Let him love you. And then you need to love other people. I don't care what generation they are. Yeah. I don't care what color their skin is. I don't don't care what country they're from. Mm Mm-hmm. That that it's really all the same. Right. Because we're all people. Yeah.
1: For sure. uh,
0: Why do we, I have a theory in life that once we complicate it so, Mm -hmm. nobody can ever be happy again because it's too complicated now.
2: I'd say we have a whole culture backing up that theory right now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, likewise, let's go through some simple solutions like for the country's problems. Uh, the country is in debt, major debt. Mm-hmm. The simple solution is don't spend more money than we have. There you go. Any questions?
2: <laughs> you know, I mean, when way I look way too at that, simple. I, way too simple. I know. And they would all
0: say, oh, the, the, it's so much more complicated than that. You've made it so complicated that we can't fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, I've I've talked to a few mechanics lately. Um, I like mechanical stuff, but I'm beginning to miss the old cars. You because could work on them with a toolbox. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. Old mechanics used to be able to just fix things. Now you got to have them plugged in somewhere, and they're so sophisticated. Something's got to read them and computer. You know, what I mean, yeah. it's like, oh my goodness, I what good are mechanics? Mechanics are trained totally different. Mm. Than they used to be, I think. You know, uh, From what they tell me, the newest stuff out, you need to be a rocket scientist to actually figure it all out. or You plug it in, and if it doesn't tell you that way, you don't know what it is.
2: I had a friend growing up, his mom got this Mercedes, and they said it had more technology on it than the first space shuttle. Yeah. It's like, wow. <laughs> Well, and you're just driving that down the highway.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, this, here's here's something very simple that does show my age. When I when I was getting a car, my my dad told me, you know, Dave, be careful. You know, you can get a car with all that fancy stuff like a cassette record, you know, cassette player in it, <laughs> and uh, it just gives you more to go wrong. And and I thought, there's a simple man. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you have a if you don't have a cassette player in your car, it's not going to go bad. It's true. And if the car is just, you know, simple Mm -hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's funny. The military knows that if we, years ago, we went and got, we were able to get some uh, old army surplus trucks for camp. Hmm. And when I say camp, I mean, Silver Birch Ranch. And, and we brought them here. And when I opened the hood, they were, they were Dodge power wagon, four wheel drive pickup trucks, painted camo. And we got them from somehow army surplus or whatever it was you sure. open the hood there were no pollution devices on it there was no power brakes there was no power steering i seriously you could open the hood you could get in there and run around and close the hood and it was just engine wow engine huh. transmission that was really it and i i thought so i asked some old military guys who goes yeah you want all that other stuff on the battlefield hmm. Just keep it simple. I mean, yeah. you got to fix the tranny. You got to fix, you know, the pistons or something. Or you yeah, got to fix the timing. I it. mean, yeah. let's not make it overly complicated. We got to get from here to there. Right, yeah. And I'm huh, thinking. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that, those trucks were beasts. They, they ran well. They were easy to fix. And, and now you look at the modern stuff. You open it up. I tell you, I could barely name anything that's not labeled under that hood. Mm-hmm. I know there's an engine in there somewhere. Yeah, uh, But I, I don't know, enough of, enough of that. We've been talking about, um, well it fits in, because we're talking about the nature of your generation, my generation, and the amount of depression that's out there, which seems to be on the rise, and the amount of suicides
1: mm-hmm.
0: which are on the rise. And trying to figure out how it is in our nation that is so prosperous, and I mean, has been, I understand right. right now we're in the middle of who knows what, but we've been very prosperous. Yeah. And, uh, I encourage people, if you didn't hear the first part of the program, go back to relate 365.com and download it there and, and get the latest uh, that we were talking about. Cause we had a, a good discussion on the first half of the program. Um, and now I want to continue to investigate. Okay. First of all, I think we've, talked it can be so complicated that people can't be okay yeah um when something gets really 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 overly complicated um how do you respond like you're looking at something and it just is so complicated what what happens in your head
2: i i don't even know how to process it you know i mean it depends on what we're talking about like a lot of times in life when i feel over my head i pray about it but i um when it comes to like working on stuff, I pretty quickly throw my hands up and say, Google will know <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I, I have to look it up online. And there's so many I've started to learn too, like if I've had this problem, right. I'm not the first person to have this problem. Right. So I try to go to the source. Which, you know, ends up being Google a lot of times. But, I mean. <laughs>
0: I go brain them. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> yeah. it, all of a sudden I, I can't think. It's like, you know, i got to go do something like cut the grass. Mm. I know how to cut the grass. Yeah. I, I know how the lawnmower works. And, and I can go out in there. And when I'm done, I can look back on it and see that I cut the grass. And mm-hmm. I can feel good mm-hmm. about life again. But don't ask Just me to do done. taxes. Yeah. Don't ask me to do taxes um years ago i did and my kids it was funny because whenever i was doing taxes the kids would go uh oh we're getting out of the house it wasn't (laughs) it wasn't that i was mean or anything it's just oh you know i have a master's degree in education i ought to be able to understand what they wrote
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) that's and by the end of it i am questioning my sanity i'm questioning everything i made or didn't make and whether i needed to put it down and i It just was so complicated that I thought, can't you just tell me send 10%? Right, (laughs) it's too simple. (laughs) I'd be fine with that. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I I think one of the things that all people need to work at is is boiling things down to a much simpler system. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you some examples. The last part of the program I said, as a teacher there were no bad students, only bad teachers. If I'm a student, there are no bad teachers, only bad students, you know, and so I take responsibility. Um, in my, my marriage, I've realized that when there's things not working well, I'm self-centered most likely. Mm-hmm. So that's where I start. Yeah. I don't want to complicate it more, because I could say, well, if she would say, and, and this person would do, and we would have more money, and now I've just complicated it with a lot of stuff, right. and there's no way to fix all that stuff I just threw out. Mm-hmm. So I'll never fix it. But I can fix the idea of being self-absorbed. Yep, So if you're willing to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I realized that it goes both ways. So uh, when there is a problem in my marriage, either myself or my wife are being self-absorbed. And if you start there, now it could be that we both are. I understand that, but but that's where you start. Most mm-hmm. of the time, you, you can sort it out before it gets bad. Or in your family, my family, okay, it could be one of the children that's totally self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. So we have to teach them that simple truth mm-hmm. of the body principle, you know what I mean? There's fingers, there's toes, everyone's gotta to go in the right direction, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know I mean? But if you can boil it down, uh, people that, you know, I was talking to a young man about credit cards. And he was saying, I don't know if I should ever get a credit card. And I said, I don't know. Do you have credit cards? I do, yeah. Uh, do, you, do you pay them every month?
2: Every month. Yeah. We actually, yeah, I got a rewards card because we are very strict about paying them off. And we haven't had to pay for hotel rooms for a while when yep. we travel. And you know what?
0: So, My wife and I do the same. And and really, people sometimes, young people say, oh, so you you aren't afraid to go in debt. I said, we don't go in debt. Mm-hmm. These guys are counting on you going in debt. Mm-hmm. But we right. don't do that. Yeah. And we do get the perks. So, yeah, you know, uh, my wife and I go out west skiing every year. Most of it on that, points. Um, well, most of it on points. The, the, so far, the motel has been all on points hmm. all the time. Uh, sometimes the flight and the hotel. One wow. year it was the flight, hotel, and the lift tickets. No way. Yeah, and it awesome. was all, um, it depends on how much I have to pay the doctor that year, you know, for <laughs> things and yeah. how much goes through the credit card. Right, yeah. But the bottom line really is, if, you know, what I told this young person was, well, here's what I would do. You know, I mean, you could get a credit card, but I would start with a pretty strict limit. You know, I would say, you know, $1,000 or something or even less, where you say, you know, it, it just won't, that's my credit limit. And I would say, are you handle it? And if you can handle it, okay, you know, if you can't, if you're going to go into debt, don't use it. But the simple principle is don't spend money you don't have. See, that? that's what I'm right. getting to. It's, yep. Not, yep. it's not overly complicated. Here's what happens when you complicate the budget. You go into a place and you go, well, I do have a credit card. And, you know, I mean, we do need the couch. We don't have a really good, we, we need one. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how people live without couches. And I <laughs> You know, the kids are only young for so long. We're never going to have a couch when they're young. I, maybe we should just put it and, you know, get it now and pay this off as soon as we can. And, uh, and then you go and you buy a car and it's like, well, you know, we've got to have a reliable car. And, okay, so you borrow the money there and need new windows in your house and they're willing to loan you the money for the next hundred years. Right. <laughs> you know, before you know it, your monthly bills, they're complicated. Mm-hmm. Because you're looking at this one and that one and this one and this one and your mind goes numb and you're going, I'll never get out of this. Mm-hmm. I think that could help cause a little depression yeah. in life. So simplify it and make sure you don't spend more than you have. And if you can't handle a credit card, don't get one. If you can't make the credit card work for you, don't get one. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, get a debit card or, or get cash and spend it. But don't. Don't do it. So simple principles. Right. You know.
2: Let's get back to we were talking in between about depression cuz yeah I mean, you brought that back up too. Like um and I think credit cards can play into it. People get so much but still get they still buy a lot of things that they want, you know, so but those things start
0: to own them, don't you think? Yeah. Because every time they look at them, they realize if they don't keep their job, they're going bankrupt right away.
2: Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: Because they can't pay for it.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: Now, here's what's interesting. I think, if you think about it, if you think about the economy in a country as being uh, like the ocean and and it rises, the tide rises, when the economy in a whole nation goes up, everybody gets more. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, if, uh, if our nation's doing well economically and the businesses are doing well economically, yes, I, I understand those who took the risk to get there get more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in other words, if uh, an owner of a business who really risked his life savings and went out and borrowed and started a company, mm-hmm. they're going to get rewarded more. Um, but so is the worker if everything goes up. So, right. so all of those that work for Amazon, <laughs> You know, they're, yeah. they're getting paid. Yep. The owner gets paid even more. But without his ingenuity, except everybody's getting more right. because Amazon exists. And what I'm finding is that our, as our country, as everything in our country is going up, rising, you would think people would be happier, but they're not. They're more depressed and more suicidal as things get better. Hmm. Why do you think that is?
1: Uh, I
2: think um, I I'm trying to remember who said it. Um, but it says meaning uh, the quote was something to the effect of meaninglessness does not come from need. Oh, I'm trying to remember how that went. Anyways, it came down to um, meaninglessness is excess of pleasure. Okay. That's what it was. That's what it was. So, meaninglessness is not lack of pleasure. Meaninglessness is found in the excess of pleasure. Right. And I think that's where we are as a culture. We are in the excess of pleasure. But you said something too in between that you want to expound on. Yeah, yeah. You know, here's what I depression. think happens
0: because obviously, I think most of life has to do with our expectations. And Mm -hmm. if you're disappointed, that's part of depression and suicide and that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. So it is extremely important that you have young children, that they grow up with the proper expectations about life. Mm -hmm. Because if they have the wrong expectations, they could be in big trouble. In fact, I wrote a book called Beyond the Expectation, and all I did was take 21 different expectations that you should have in the Bible and understand that these are things you should have.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and it's so important because if it's out of whack, you're in trouble. What I think is being revealed by the idea that the, the whole tide is rising, the economy got better, everybody is really in a better position, but there's more suicide and depression I think what that means is people weren't interested in just getting better. They were interested in getting better than somebody else. Mm -hmm. And since everybody's rising at the same rate, they're not getting better than somebody else. They're staying in their class. They're staying in their world. It's pretty telling. Yeah. So the idea really is can we really rejoice in the fact when people around us are more successful in our eyes than us? It, mm-hmm. and again I I hate to use the word success it, yeah, if they have more stuff if they right. have more stuff than us
2: well that was something too that I had kind of come to realize about humility um, and the thing that was practical about it for me the practical example that comes to mind was um, I enjoy doing music playing music all that stuff Um and I realized that humility was not downplaying the gifts that God had given me. you know god's God's given me gifts at a certain level, whatever. There's other people that are better than me at everything. Mm-hmm. Humility is being able to rejoice in whatever level of gift God has given me, but also being able to rejoice in somebody else's gift that God has given them, even if they're way better than me, but being able to rejoice in that and say, wow, you know, that is amazing. Somebody's that gifted, you know, and not being jealous and wishing that was me, but that's, I think we as people are very prideful and we want to be the top. And there's nothing wrong with setting goals, but it depends on the motive. You know, Jesus always brought it back to the heart. You know, if you want to be the best, because you want to be better than other people, <laughs> right? That would be wrong. If you want to be the best you can possibly be to glorify God, you're, you know, two people could be doing the same thing, one be right and one be wrong, because it all, I think, comes back to the heart. Yeah. And uh, so I think, I think that's that's huge.
0: You know, and I agree with you. I think through the years, one of the things that I struggled with and really learned was the idea that. Uh, when I played sports, whether it be football, hockey, whatever I was doing in college, I am not the best. I never
1: was.
0: (laughs) But I can give the best effort that I have. Right. And that always allowed me to be in a position to play and to do things. Right. And I could never say to anybody, yes, I was the best player that ever was on that field Mm -hmm. or on the ice. You know, I mean, it, it, it didn't happen. In fact, I knew differently. Right. But I did give it 100% effort. Mm-hmm. And that's all I could do with the talent that I had and the body that I had. Um, and what, what you see in life is people that are thinking, well, you know, they, look at, they look at others so much that they cannot rejoice when something good happens to somebody else without saying, why doesn't that good happen to me?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or if they get sick, they do the opposite. Why does this happen to me?
2: Yeah, and there's that expectation thing again of, like, this shouldn't happen or whatever. I like what you said about having our expectations align with reality as opposed to trying to align reality. That's where I think a lot of people's depression comes from. For example, just kind of a simple um, example from my own life is... Before I was a parent, I kind of had this expectation that it'd be like maybe four months and then the kid would be sleeping through the night great. Yep. I'm four years into it now. Still and, waiting. And this kid, yeah, both of our, I mean, they're getting, they're don't get sure. me wrong, they're getting a lot better. But I think if I had had the expectation that, you know, they're kids, right. they, they are growing and developing and, you know, they have teeth coming in and, you know. They're just growing, and everything is, you know, <laughs> from a. I have a two-year-old and a, you know, an almost two-year-old and an almost four-year-old, so they're almost exactly two years apart. But that two-year age gap, there is an incredible amount of differences in oh, development yeah. and all this kind of stuff, and so everything is changing so much and quickly. And I just think if I had had more realist, more realistic expectations of you know, there's not going to be a lot of great sleep and, you know, they're going to have the terrible two attitudes and yep. all this stuff. If I had had a more realistic um, mentality, I don't think it would have been as hard, yeah. you know, and there were times like along the way where I did mentally adjust my expectations and, you know, even recently. And that is when, you know, there were more breakthrough moments yeah. in my life it just... You know this is how it is, and you know we're gonna get through it, and that's when it that's when it's easier I'm talking about um, expectations, and also we had talked about uh off off the recording was getting to a point where we realize we aren't in control of those things that yeah. we expect um and so when um you know, I've gotten to the point where it's like, you know, Lord. I don't have the strength to do this. Um, And I think that's 2 Corinthians 12 where, you know, Paul's talking about the thorn in the flesh and he said, I pleaded with God to take this away, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you. And, you know, talks about God being the strength in us. And I, for when we're weak, then we're strong because of um, his faithfulness and him being the strength in us. So, I mean, there's been a lot of times where I've just said, Lord, I, I'm less than weak, you know, be the strength in me. Um, and that's where I've really seen, you know, I've, I've had a peace, I've grown, I've seen, you know, myself handle things better than I did before. And so, anyways, I think a lot of that is adjusting expectations and relying on God.
0: Yeah, you know, so. I, think, I think when I played sports in college when I was a football player, I came to the realization that I wasn't the coach.
2: That's probably good.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I wasn't. <laughs> there were guys that were miserable because they played coach. Mm. He should do this, he should do that. I realized that's not my job. My job was to go do what the coach told me to do. Mm-hmm. It was his job to know what everybody did, to put the right game plan in. It was his job to use the right personnel. You know, I mean, that was his job. So my job was to know my responsibility and live within the context of my responsibility. And it's really interesting when everybody did that. You had teamwork and you had victories. Hmm. And nobody was, you know, angry with each other. Nothing. You know, I knew and this was particularly hard for me at times because my main role, my the year I did the best in college football, my main role was really to take out the the um, blockers that were trying to get to our linebackers. I was a defensive end. And it was to take out those blockers. In other words, sacrifice my body. It didn't matter. Don't let them out. And that way our linebackers could make all the tackles.
1: Mm.
0: Now, if you ever played football, you realize the guy who gets cheered is the guy who made the tackle. Not the guy laying under 600 pounds of beef. <laughs> you know, I mean, th- yeah. that that's total. So... As far as credit goes from the media, from the crowd, it was the linebackers who got the credit. But after every play, they, they would come up and say thanks because they knew what I did. I took the guys out
2: mm-hmm.
0: that would have stopped them from making that play. Right. And that was my job. So, you know, I, there were times where I wondered, you know, Coach, this is my football career? <laughs> I, I take guys that are, 80 pounds bigger than me and dive at their legs and take them out of the the action? That's my job. How about a little fun stuff, hmm. you know, where I could chase people and tackle them? And, and, you know, at the end of that year, though, I remember I was voted by the other coaches as um, the number one player in that division. Hmm. And I thought, I remember looking at the coach thinking, why? Mm-hmm. I spent my whole time with my face in the mud. Under the... Pile. <laughs> and the coach just looked at me and said you know Dave you irritated those other coaches they had to figure out how to get their blockers around you and you just got in their way all the time and I said well that's what you told me to do <laughs> I mean that was my job mm-hmm. and I you know I, I think because God you know I'm either just one of the dumber guys that ever walked the planet so I have to keep it simple. But I think it's always like I'm looking for that way to boil it down. You know, I, the, the game of football wise, you've got 11 people on each side, each person has something else to do. You have to have a whole game plan and look at the whole picture. You now, that's up to God to do, as far as I'm concerned. I, I can't keep up with all that. But I do know what my personal responsibility is. Mm. And therefore, I have to do my personal responsibility in a way that is responsible, if that makes sense. And if I stop that, then I start blaming God and people around me and everybody else for my troubles. And really, you know, one of the other things I think I'll just throw in here because we have just a couple minutes left is, I think the other thing that's causing depression is that people really want to feel needed in life, but nobody is. You're really wanted. And, And being wanted is what's special, not being needed. And we could probably do a whole episode on that, But when you think about it, the healthiest thing in the world is to know that the people around you want you there. Hmm. If you're not there, guess what? They'll probably still eat. They'll probably still live. They'll probably still breathe. Actually, they'll probably go on with life. And you're not there. Mm -hmm. And if you keep trying or believing that you need to be needed, I think down the road you'll be depressed because you'll realize No, one day I'll die and everything will go on. The sun will come up. The sun will go down. Mm -hmm. Birds will still chirp and life will go on without me. You're right. It will. So the special part of life is not trying to force yourself to be needed by people. The special thing in life is wanting people. And you have to realize that God led the way he wants us. He doesn't need us.
1: Hmm.
0: And that's what's special. So if I can encourage people to do anything, it's, Make sure other people know you want them around. Hmm. Uh, Don't make them think they're needed. Right. Let them understand you want them. And that makes the human relationship worth living, I think. so. Well, I thank you for listening to Younger Older again this week. And uh, hopefully we'll continue to have discussions with Todd, Jason. I know my daughter Sarah was on this and other young people that would come into the studio and allow me to have a discussion with them. Uh, This is brought to you from the studios of Relate365.com, and we invite you to go there and download some podcasts. And we're on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. See you next time.